This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. I am Chris Trapasso, and I wanted to leave the podcast schedule open this week, the week of the draft, because I knew there would be a lot of juicy nuggets from big insiders landing starting Monday morning, yesterday morning, and running all through the week, leading probably within hours of the actual NFL draft beginning. And by the time you listen to this episode, everything that I'm about to say might be obsolete. Could be, probably not. But as of Monday morning, and throughout the day Monday, the talk on draft Twitter, NFL Twitter, which NFL Twitter becomes draft Twitter, obviously this time of the year, was all about Mac Jones. You got Peter King's insider column. You had Albert Breer's Monday morning quarterback. Uh, Adam Schefter going on podcast. Todd McShay talking to people. And a lot of the chorus, a lot of the chatter was heating up even more so for Mac Jones to be picked number three overall by the San Francisco 49ers. I thought Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's press conference was absolutely hilarious. The fact that they did it on a day when everyone was talking about what they're going to do at number three overall. And you could tell from just almost every Kyle Shanahan answer that he didn't want to do that press conference. And now his famous quote about Jimmy Garoppolo and he's can't be sure if he's going to be on the roster on Sunday because he doesn't know if anyone's going to be alive on Sunday or everyone's day to day, which is true. Technically is it will be etched in stone in terms of being one of the best pre-draft quotes from a head coach that we've ever heard. But what we did get yesterday, and I want to dive into this. More than just saying, hey, yeah, you know, I I think it's crazy for the 49ers to like Mac Jones. It's come out from Adam Schefter, and he's the one of all the insiders, and there's a lot of very reputable reporters out there, but Adam Schefter is the one that he's not putting out any complete BS. He is probably getting nuggets and making sure they're confirmed from other sources. He's got more sources than anyone in the league. And when he came out and said on Twitter that the 49ers traded up from 12 to number three, that they wanted to pick Mac Jones, but insinuated that they hadn't really done their due diligence on the rest of the quarterback class, especially Trey Lance. And as they have watched Trey Lance over the last couple of weeks, now they're a little bit unsure. A little bit of that to me reeked of maybe multiple people telling Adam Schefter this 
Like, I, I don't at all think Adam Schefter is just making something up or not sourcing any bit of news that he gets with multiple sources. Um, but it a little bit reeked of the NFL machine being like, hey, let's make sure there's some more intrigue and more uh, speculation and more suspense leading into this number three overall pick. Like, let's not telegraph that it is going to be Mac Jones because everyone knows who number one is going to be. And everyone's pretty sure that Zach Wilson is going number two overall to the Jets. We don't want our first three picks when everyone's still awake from eight until about eight 30 or eight 45, a lot of kids watching, knowing who already is going to be the selection. But that whole process, I kind of have come around on it that the 49ers were sitting there at 12 weeks ago. And maybe the first quarterback they got to was Mac Jones. And Kyle Shanahan thought to himself, man, I really like this quarterback. We need to go up and get him. And he may have thought, hey, I haven't watched the other quarterbacks. And it's it's kind of out. It's been substantiated that uh, Kyle Shanahan runs the show in San Francisco. It's John Lynch is there. He helps. He's high up, of course, as the general manager. But Kyle Shanahan's making the final decisions, especially on a quarterback. I mean, John Lynch yesterday deferred to Kyle Shanahan and said, hey, he's he's the quarterback guru. Anything involving quarterbacks, I'm going to defer to him. Which, as a GM, was, was a little a little weird. But, I, I mean, there are some situations in the NFL where the head coach is the guy that's calling all the shots. So, initially, I thought, why would you trade up to three? And this was the conventional wisdom on Twitter. Like, why would you trade up to three? without knowing who you're going to pick. But I think Kyle Shanahan was enamored enough with Mac Jones that he's like, hey, if there's someone better than him, great, but then we'll be sitting there at three and we'll pick that guy and maybe that will be Trey Lance. But to get even more specific, and I'll be somewhat quick on this because if you read my work at CBS Sports, if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, thank you for doing so. You know that I, I think that it's, completely bonkers to trade as much as the 49ers did to go from 12 to three to pick Mac Jones. The one defense I will give to Kyle Shanahan, who is a tremendous play designer, not just a play caller, but this, he schemes open receivers. He can scheme yards after the catch opportunities. He can scheme eight yards per attempt for CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins over a three, four, five game stretch. He's gotten the most out of middle-of-the-road quarterbacks or quarterbacks that are cerebrally there but athletically and arm talent-wise not. It wouldn't be crazy that he watched Mac Jones at Alabama this past season and even a little bit in 2019 after he took over for Tua, saw all the brilliant play designing from Steve Sarkeesian and thought, man, this guy's throwing the ball to where he's supposed to based on how the coverage is dictating and he's accurate. He can move a little bit inside the pocket. I don't need him to be ridiculously athletic. He's my guy. The one issue with that, and yes, this is me calling, not calling out Kyle Shanahan, but saying that, that I, I don't see how Kyle Shanahan didn't understand this. A lot of what Steve Sarkeesian did creatively with that Alabama offense last year was contingent upon having an amazing offensive line 
And of course, having ridiculous skill position talent, which Alabama did. It wasn't even just Devontae Smith. And then even after Jalen Waddle got injured, it was just the Devontae Smith show. I mean, of course, he produced it at a legendary rate that led to him winning the Heisman. Miller Forrestal, their tight end is very good. John Mechie is going to go somewhere in the top couple of rounds next year. Uh, Najee Harris is pretty good. He might be the first running back off the board. He's going to be picked within the top 40 selections in the draft. And the offensive line, uh, Alex Leatherwood is going to be a, a first or a second round pick. Landon Dickerson, everyone loves, could go in the first round, even off a December torn ACL. Deontay Brown's going to be a day two pick, most likely, at the guard spot. Right tackle Evan Neal, who's an underclassman, is like 6'8", 350. They have like the biggest line I've ever seen. Landon Dickerson measured in at just under 6'6", and 338 at the Alabama Pro Day, and he was playing center. Deontay Brown is like 6'3", and a half, 350. Evan Neal, who's probably going to be a first-round pick next year, is gigantic at right tackle. Alex Leatherwood's like 6'5", 315 with crazy long arms. So it's one thing to watch an offense and watch that Alabama attack and say, man, look at how great this offense worked. The same thing in 2019 with the LSU Tigers. Like, oh my gosh, like Joe Brady is the most brilliant play caller, right? Well, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the offensive line was good, not great, but then the skill position talent. Holy crap. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, even Thaddeus Moss, who's not a crazy athlete, caught everything. So that's what I think happened with the 49ers. And But I do think it is a little strange that they hadn't watched and been sure of and had a final grade on all the quarterbacks when they made that move. But maybe Kyle Shanahan just dropped the pencil and said, that's it. Like, I need Mac Jones. But again, I, I think there's a little bit of a flaw in that thinking because for as good of a schemer as Kyle Shanahan is, and for as good as Debo Samuel is and George Kittle, they don't have the skill position advantage that Alabama has had for the last couple of seasons at receiver and up front and in the backfield. To go from Josh Jacobs' first-round pick to Najee Harris' likely-ish first-round pick is pretty insane. And the offensive line has been spectacular since we've seen Alabama kind of transform from this defensive-driven powerhouse to a team that can score like 50 points a game. And I, I just think that Kyle Shanahan, while he might have a type, you would think at this point, Three out of his four seasons in San Francisco have been losing seasons. The outlier, obviously, was a trip to the Super Bowl and a 10-point lead with like seven minutes to go. I would think that at this point, he's like, I need more at the quarterback position. And I, I'll finish the Mac Jones part of this episode with this. I think Mac Jones, if he goes number three overall, first off, I'll be floored, and I will not think it is a great draft pick by the 49ers, especially because you have to factor in what they gave up in the trade. But I think Mac Jones will be a good quarterback in San Francisco because every quarterback is good with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, there was a stretch in 2020 when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt 
where there were people out there in the media, locally and nationally, that were like, is Nick Mullins like better than Jimmy G? Like, should they just keep Nick Mullins? I mean, Nick Mullins last year completed almost 65% of his passes at 7.48 yards per attempt. If you're, it's getting to the point in the NFL, and this is a good thing to remember once you're going into the actual football season in a few months, you want quarterback, like you want your quarterback to be definitely above seven. You probably want him at eight, but if you're above seven, you're you're efficiently moving the ball through the air. I mean, he did throw 12 interceptions with 12 touchdowns. His rating was only 84. That's below average. But in terms of efficiency of like him actually releasing a pass and the yardage he was gaining, if you're seven and a half, if that's what your yards per attempt averages, you're doing a pretty good job. We know what he's gotten the most out of Brian Hoyer back in Cleveland. The one season where Cleveland kind of sniffed being in playoff contention late in the year. Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, rookie year RG3, even though that was more like RPO-based than typical, like traditional Shanahan stuff. And what's funny is even in 2018, as a rookie, Nick Mullins, 64%. Completion percentage, 8.3 yards per attempt. 13 touchdowns, 10 picks. The rating was 90.8, a little bit below average. It's like around 97, 98 is actually average among starters in today's NFL. So I think he'll be good, and it will look like a smart pick, but I'm almost positive that at some point, especially, and we cannot, I, I can't say it enough, that the compensation that the 49ers had to give to trade up to three to the Miami Dolphins is going to factor in to the team building efforts of the 49ers, a team that's kind of in a weird spot. Like they were just in the Super Bowl two years ago, but they had kind of an older ish defense, especially in the secondary. They lost Richard Sherman. Uh, they don't, they, I, I love Fred Werner. They trade away DeForest Buckner up front. So their D line has Nick Bosa. Uh, not much else in terms of star power. The secondary doesn't have a lot of star power. I love the story of Jason Barrett coming back and actually playing well and earning another contract this year. That's awesome. One of my draft crushes from the 2014 draft class. Uh, but they need to add more pieces on defense. They just they of course lost Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator, to the Jets as their head coach, um, and they could use a few more weapons. Kendrick Bourne was a solid depth player. He's on the Patriots. Some of their earlier picks, Dante Pettis, Jalen Hurd at receiver, never really panned out. Dante Pettis is not even on the 49ers anymore. There will come to a point where Mac Jones is completing 67% of his passes, eight yards per attempt, not throwing a lot of picks. 49ers are pretty competitive in every game where they are playing the Packers in the NFC, or I guess it kind of changes around every year. But, I mean, the Packers, because of Aaron Rodgers, are, are, are pretty steady near the top of that conference. They're playing a tougher game, or they even get into the playoffs, and we will see the limitations of Mac Jones rear their ugly head. Not being able to create outside of structure. 
maybe seeing at the last second, processing quickly, but seeing at the last second on his third read that Debo Samuel is open. But at that point, pressure is in his lap and he can't really step into the throw. The ball takes an extra tenth of a second to get there and gets knocked away or gets intercepted. Stuff that would not have happened if the 49ers picked Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And that's the other part of this. Kyle Shanahan has all the right to feel an extreme amount of confidence that he can get quality production out of Mac Jones. But it's not, you can't just view Mac Jones in a vacuum, which is kind of what they did when they moved from 12 to 3. Because there are other options out there. I always go back to, it's just one, because me being from Buffalo, the Bills loved Sammy Watkins in that 2014 draft class. It's, this is the guy. We love him. He's amazing. Let's trade up from 9 to 4 to get him. And obviously, it, that didn't ultimately pan out. He started off his career with a 1,000-yard season as a rookie. Like He looked like a budding star. There was some off-field stuff with him. But their then GM, Doug Whaley, didn't weigh the rest of the class correctly. Like He just like forgot about Mike Evans and Odell Beckham. And I mean, Allen Robinson went in the second round, like Jarvis Landry went in the second round. Not that those wide receivers, those last two were, were going to be picked in the first round. There wasn't a lot of hype for them there, but that's how I kind of feel about Kyle Shanahan that, yeah, he should feel confidence in being able to scheme, develop his scheme or just use his offense to, and have Mac Jones be the facilitator of it to get a pretty efficient offense and, and put it out there every Sunday. But what are the possibilities if you pick Mac Jones or, or if you pick Trey Lance or if you pick Justin Fields, there's just more possible outcomes. And there is the, especially with Justin Fields, the same level to, and to me more, a better uh, ball placement and accuracy so you can't say, hey, we don't like Justin Fields because he's not really as accurate as Mac Jones. That's just false. The stats back it up. You can watch all their games back-to-back. -back. Justin Fields is super accurate. And he's way better of an athlete. I saw yesterday that there was a quote that uh, I don't know who it was from. One of the big insiders that chimed in on the Mac Jones 49er stuff saying that the 49ers believe that Mac Jones is the most athletic in the pocket. That is just false. No disrespect to Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, or scouting department. That's false. Justin Fields can move more with more suddenness, more power inside the pocket. He can shrug off a blitzing linebacker. He, I've routinely said he is an amazing escape artist. Mac Jones might even, even if you want to be pro-Mac Jones and anti-Justin Fields, Maybe you could watch their film and think Mac Jones is a little bit more natural drifting inside the pocket. That old school Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, subtly moving away from pressure, keeping your eyes up when there's chaos around you and then delivering an accurate football. Like I don't certainly don't think Mac Jones is anywhere in the stratosphere of those quarterbacks I just mentioned, but there are times where he drops back and then he feels pressure and he steps up. Pretty naturally, you see it on occasion on film. But in terms of being athletic 
inside or outside the pocket, even if you wanted to say within the confines of it. Fields can certainly do that too. And maybe Jones is a tick better or does it more frequently drift inside the pocket. But when things really are in a last resort situation, Mac Jones is going to fold and he's going to take a sack. When Justin Fields looks like he's going to get sacked, he can spin out of it. There's a linebacker on his legs. He gets out of that tackle, runs to his left, and then either runs for a 10-yard gain or lets it rip down the field or just throws it away. So in terms of dealing with pressure, I think Fields processes very quickly, as quickly as Mac Jones, and the athleticism is definitely not a question. I don't even think Mac Jones would say I'm in the same stratosphere as Justin Fields as an athlete. And then the arm talent is not even close either. So in that type of game against a high-quality opponent in the playoffs, good defense, good scheme, a team that has a good pass rush, good linebackers, a good secondary. Justin Fields can get you out of precarious situations with the arm and with the athleticism that Mac Jones will ultimately not be able to. So I think a lot of people will be criticizing the 49ers if they pick Mac Jones and it will just it'll be poured on them and I'll I'll be part of that, but mine will be more nuanced in that I think Mac Jones will be good because that is a great situation for any quarterback to land, especially someone that is the selection after the 49ers traded the farm to go up and get them. They love that quarterback, whoever that is. To land with Kyle Shanahan is a quarterback's dream, but wait, and even if he starts his rookie season technically on fire and the 49ers look like closer to that Super Bowl team than they were to the team that struggled last year after Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa's, and George Kittle's injuries. Even if he starts on fire, just wait. There will be times, important, critical times in the season, even as a rookie, second year, third year, whatever it may be, where we will see the limitations of Mac Jones and they will lead to misconversions on third down, uh, interceptions and ultimately losses that would not have been the case had they picked Justin Fields. All that's funny though, because we're not really even hearing anything about Justin Fields being a potential selection. The Trey Lance interest is fascinating because, and I have to shout out to Cecil Lammy, uh, who has been on the Trey Lance to 49ers train since the trade occurred. It's fascinating because of a lot of what I just said about Justin Fields uh, is kind of the same deal for Trey Lance. It applies. But with Trey Lance, you could say, hey, let's write out Jimmy G. Let's try to study the ship a little bit. We get our stars back, Bosa and Kittle, year three of Debo Samuel. And let's even give Jimmy G like half the season. And maybe we could trade him at the trade deadline. The Patriots swan him or whatever. And then let's let Trey Lance play and put him in a very quarterback-friendly system, which it is. A lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs, easy throws into the flat from a rolling pocket. And then you have that upside down the road, 2022, 2023, where you have the arm talent that even if he is a tick late, he can still fit it in. Definitely the designed run game element that Mac Jones just objectively does not provide. That's what I'm 
too a little interested in and kind of surprised at with Kyle Shanahan that he's always talking about evolving and certainly his offense is based in the, the Mike Shanahan zone blocking scheme and all the play action stuff. To me, it seems like Kyle Shanahan would be like, Hey, let's continue to evolve this offense and let's add in some zone read stuff and let's run quarterback power with Trey Lance or with Justin Fields and all the stuff that we can do with a running quarterback is what we haven't really shown yet because I've had these CJ Beathard and Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins types and really throw every defense that we face for a loop. I mean, he is so creative. He could run his system and then add in probably another half of a playbook with RPOs that involve the quarterback running or, I mean, stuff that's even well over my head in terms of schematics and game planning as a coach. So that one makes sense to me because Trey Lance is in more need of a red shirt. I mean, there's nothing that says that if the 49ers picked Justin Fields, that they couldn't just say, Hey, like you're not going to be the guy right away. But I think after two years of starting experience at Ohio state, being a big time recruit, playing a little bit at Georgia, the thought is Justin Fields is ready to go. Trey Lance, 19-year-old, one-year starter at the FCS level. He was 19 during that season. He's older now. Needs a redshirt season. And maybe, especially after that press conference yesterday, maybe Kyle Shanahan is fed up with Jimmy Garoppolo, which, again, is runs completely counter to, oh, pick a quarterback that's a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, maybe Mac Jones is a little more accurate down the field. He probably is. He's a little bigger. But this, what does the size matter? Like, that doesn't matter. It's negligible between those two, and it's not like Mac Jones' size makes him a better quarterback than Jimmy G. So I don't understand it. I don't. Um, it's surprising, too, because this would be one thing if this was Dave Gettleman or some 75 or 70-year-old GM or something, but this is like one of the youngest, brightest minds in the league. And not just saying, hey, we hope Mac Jones falls to us at 12, which I don't think anyone would have really hammered them for, knowing how good Kyle Shanahan is with quarterbacks and how quarterback-friendly the system is. But no, let's trade the farm. Let's mortgage the future for Mac Jones. So when that ultimately happens, I will send out the Joe Rogan Daniel Cormier uh, UFC reaction that went viral over the weekend because, but maybe I shouldn't because this is somewhat similar to in 2019 when Dave Gettleman kind of hinted at, Hey, we're going to pick Daniel Jones and all the insiders saying Daniel Jones is going number six. Daniel Jones is going number six. And then the giants picked Daniel Jones at number six. And like a lot of media members were like blown away by it. Uh, I mean, I guess in the past, like the year before, Dave Gettleman said, like, we're going to pick a running back. And he did. There's no precedent with Kyle Shanahan. We don't know, like, his history in terms of if he tends to lie more or tell the truth during lying season. But more and more momentum is building for Mac Jones to go number three overall. And I will, I'll be, I guess I'll still be surprised. But remember what I said. My main point was that even if we're in November and Mac Jones is playing well, it will ultimately arise where his limitations will hold back the 49ers, just like all these other quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan has had in the past. One other topic I want to talk about before I finish 
and I, I just felt compelled to say that, say all that stuff about Mac Jones again, because it was so prevalent on Twitter yesterday, and it's going to continue today, tomorrow, and all the way up to Thursday. And by the way, because we've had this speculation for so long, I really hope we don't get on like Thursday at 5 p.m. Adam Schefter being like, the 49ers will be picking Mac Jones. I will be mad. Especially someone, even though I'm only 33, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to the NFL draft. I will tweet my live reaction and a grade for all 32 picks in round one on Thursday night before I do the grades from rounds two through round seven for CBSSports.com on Friday and Saturday. I will not look at Twitter. I'll send out tweets, but I'm not going to be refreshing and seeing what people saying. I, I have no interest in finding out who's about to be picked like before it's on TV. I think maybe that's just the kid in me. I love watching it on TV and the suspense of like getting it live technical. Well, I guess not live anymore because the insiders like to leak that stuff. I want to hear the commissioner say who the pick is. I don't want to know. So it better just be, we go into Thursday night, knowing Trevor Lawrence is going one being 99% positive. Zach Wilson's going number two and then not knowing, and then really letting the draft begin. One other thing I wanted to bring up was the Julio Jones trade speculation. Interesting. All of the uh, big columns that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, Peter King's Football Morning in America, I believe it's called. Uh, that's part of NBC Sports and Pro Football Talk. And Albert Breer's Monday Morning Quarterback obviously took over for Peter King a few years ago. Both mentioned it like in the beginning of those columns, like, hey, the 49ers are, or the 49ers, the Falcons are thinking about trading Julio Jones. It might happen might not. I mean, Peter King did write a little caveat and said, like, I am not reporting that it will happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. He thought a second rounder would do it. Albert Breer was a little more aggressive and said, like, a, it would probably start with a first rounder in 2022. And there will have to be, he'll have to be like a June one trade because it saves the Falcons $15 million if they do it that way. It's a, it's weird for me. Because if you're going to sit there and pick Kyle Pitts at number four, a tight end, basically a receiver, but a tight end, he, he will have to play in line. And, and at Florida, they had him in the backfield. That if you're going to pick him and you're going to say, hey, let's load up for the final two years of Matt Ryan. And this is, I get that this is simple. This is not groundbreaking stuff. I just want to put it out there. Why are you trading Julio Jones? And what also is fascinating, even in the NFC South, the Saints are somehow under the salary cap, but the Falcons apparently are what's pushing this Julio Jones trade speculation is that they're not under the or they won't have enough money to sign their draft picks at this point. Like, how does that happen? Given what the Saints have done, kicking the can down the road. And I don't know, but it just doesn't make sense to say, hey. We restructured Matt Ryan's contract. We want him as our quarterback for two years. Their new GM, Terry Fontenot, was like, hey, I was just in New Orleans with the Saints forever. We kicked the can down the road with Drew Brees. We never won a Super Bowl, but we were in the NFC title game. We were in the playoffs. We were one of the best teams in the NFC. Let's not throw away our older quarterback who's still really good yet. So let's restructure him, essentially lock him into being the starter for two years, Pick Kyle Pitts at four when for like from February into late March, it was like they're going to trade down. 
they are certainly in the quarterback sweepstakes. Trey Lance would be a nice fit there for them. And then all of a sudden it's like, I guess more people watched Kyle Pitts or something. I don't know. Or he had his pro day. And then everyone's like, oh, Kyle Pitts is like, he's not even going to be a top 15 pick or top 10 pick. He's going top five. And there was a tweet from Adam Schefter about two weeks ago that the Falcons were listening to trade offers for number four overall. But it's as we've gotten closer, it seems as though they're not going to ultimately accept one of those trades unless they get blown away and pick Kyle Pitts. But then if you do that, then you're replacing him or you're replacing Julio Jones with Kyle Pitts. And I've even seen some like Julio Jones comparisons for Kyle Pitts. I don't see that sudden of an athlete uh, at that similar size. I mean, Pitts is a little taller. Julio was more compact, uh, a little bit stronger, and just the route running chops as a wide receiver compared to being a tight end were just a lot better, I think. And that is extreme nitpicking because Julio is a future Hall of Famer and Kyle Pitts is the best tight end prospect I've ever scouted. It just doesn't make any sense. So that's another decision inside the top four selections that would be a little head scratching to me that if they pick Kyle Pitts, the Falcons, and then agree to a trade, but that that can't happen until June 1st for Julio Jones, trade him away. It's like, and, and even if say they get blown away with an offer for Julio, they get a first rounder in 2022. It's like, Oh, great. But isn't that what like more of a rebuilding team would do in that case? You should just trade Matt Ryan or let him ride it out and uh, not pick Kyle Pitts, trade back, get a ton for a team that loves Kyle Pitts or a team that wants the fourth quarterback off the board. And there would certainly be a lot of people, regardless of who the 49ers pick, that would be calling the Falcons about that number four selection for a quarterback. So that's doesn't really align. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but I think... While it seems like, oh, this is just a juicy nugget to get clicks right before the draft, like a Julio Jones trade speculation is legitimate. Like Peter King and Albert Breer are very respected reporters. They're not just putting that out there for fodder. Like it's, there is some type of, uh, legs to that deal or to that speculation could it be that the falcons leaked that and they're like oh yeah we're getting a lot of trade calls but really they're the ones calling teams clubs that they think could be interested maybe the titans maybe the packers maybe the patriots uh i don't know what other teams pop out and leaking it as oh yeah we're, we're there's some some trade stuff brewing with julio but it's really all on them maybe and that's one thing as a new GM, that's would be the very difficult thing to have to do sometimes that you inherit a roster that has most team has most teams have at least a few really good players. Julio, like I said, a future hall of famer and, Oh, I'm going to be the guy that got rid of Julio Jones. I, I, I mean, I don't think that should drive a decision. You should not have emotion when it comes to that and not be afraid to make a brazen move. But it just doesn't align with the direction that the Falcons seemingly want to go in with this draft. And maybe we're all wrong about all of this and the Falcons trade out of four and they get a ton of picks and they just want to be competent and try to build for the future. Or maybe they pick Trey Lance who we don't know, but that 
trade speculation didn't make sense to me, but I do think there are likes to it. And I think if the Falcons want to go all in, I, I've sent, I think I, I had Jamar Chase going there very early in a couple of mocks. I had Kyle Pitts there pretty early too. And I'm not being that I had it first guy, but I know relatively early on other people probably had it as well. Like, Hey, you just restructure Matt Ryan's contract go all in. You have Arthur Smith who proved that he can revitalize a career with Ryan Tannehill. And he was in the AFC title game two years ago, go all in and say, Hey, we're going to try one more time to make a run. And really that run with Matt Ryan. I mean, it was kind of building up to that a little bit, but it was an MVP season in his like ninth year in the league. And then he kind of fell off after that, or the team in general fell off, make one more magical run or try to, and then Matt Ryan will be 40. So we'll see if, if that ultimately comes to fruition. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me, and neither does Mac Jones going number three overall. All right, that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. I haven't read my reviews in a while. I, I didn't have any for the longest time. I have a bunch on there, a collection from when I first started, but do not feel any hesitation to leave a review what you hate about the podcast or what you love about the podcast. Uh, and leave a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening to the Prospect Podcast.